Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the concluding part of the book review, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Pell. The book is very wonderful. It's a bit um, more than the ones we've been reading, but it's so impactful. Every chapter has something wonderful to learn from it. We went over chapters 1 to 8 last week. We're doing the remaining uh, chapters 9 to 17 tonight. Okay, chapter 9 says, How to break the worry habit. How to break the worry habit. The writer tells us that worry is simply an unhealthy and destructive mental habit. And uh, he told us that a famous American surgeon said, We fear not only in our minds, but in our hearts, brains, and viscera. Our viscera talks about the internal organs, the organs that are um, at the back of our thorax, our rib cage, and behind our abdomen. Those are our viscera. So the surgeon is telling us that we fear not only in our minds, but in our hearts, brains, and these viscera. That whatever the cause of fear and worry, the effect can always be noted in the cells, the tissues, the organs, and so on of the body. And I think every one of us witnesses this. It is a kind of um, anxiety, like a gunshot or an intense worry. I personally feel it everywhere, everywhere. I, it, it even affects um, my uh, excretory organs. I feel like either personality urine or defecating. I feel a kind of headache. I feel it everywhere in my body. I feel tense up. I feel an impulse running through my head down to my feet and all that. I know I'm not the only one. I, I know everyone or almost everybody feels the same way. So we could uh, relate to what the surgeon is saying that worry affects every single part of our body. A scientific expert on the length of life made a study of some 450 people who lived up to 100 years and he was able to deduce seven reasons why they lived long. The first is they kept busy. Number two, they used moderation in all things. The third is they ate lightly and simply. They were no glutons. The fourth is they got a great deal of fun out of it. The fifth is they were early to bed and early up. The next is, they were free from worry and fear, especially fear of death. And the last event I found out was, they had serene minds and faith in God. The writer referred us to Job chapter 3 verse 25, where Job said, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. He noted that if you fear or worry over something continually, you tend to your mind you know, for that thing to happen, for the development of that thing which you actually fear. Okay? There's also a directly opposite to Job's statement in the Bible. According to your faith, so be it done unto you. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. So if you drift your mind from fear to faith, you can break the worry habit. Chapter 10 talks about power to solve personal problems. Power to solve personal problems. I think the summary of this whole chapter lies in the simple words of one Mr. Bill 
in the story of a couple, Bill and Mary, that the writer talks about. I will tell us the story briefly, but before then, I like to go over the words of the man. I quote, Do you know I'm beginning to realize that Christianity isn't theoretical after all? We have solved the problem according to a well-defined spiritually scientific principle. I love this word, spiritually scientific principle. It looks ironical because actually the spiritual is supposed to be an irony to the scientific. And the scientific is actually an irony to the spiritual. But yet the, the, the man termed it a well-defined spiritually scientific principle. Now what is the story? The man was supposed to be made um, the president of his corporation, of the company he worked with after um, serving them for several years. In fact, he merited it. In fact, he already knew that he was going to be the next um, uh, person to be appointed as the president. But somewhere along the line, he was bypassed. The position was given to a total stranger that was brought from elsewhere. They were devastated. Although the man kept his school, but the wife was so um, bad. She actually felt so bad. She couldn't hold it. She was like... Um, her husband should just resign immediately and you know spill it out to them how he felt and how he has been um, and all that. Now they talked this whole issue over I think dinner with um, this man, the author of our book, Norman Vincent Pell, and uh, he um, astonishingly just told them to maintain silence for a few minutes. The woman, although um, the he didn't go down with her, but she had to be. They maintained a few minutes of silence, like they were in fellowship. And later on, he told them to hold hands and pray. They prayed about the situation. In fact, they even prayed for the new appointee, this total stranger. Now, um, as time went on, for a period of about two years, the man was able to work with him. The man even um, confessed that. This man had to consult him for almost everything, you know, because he had the, uh, let's say, the blueprint of the company. Now, the wife was able, the wife of this Mr. Bill, that's Mary, was able to get along with this new president's wife. And along the way, they, they found out that they were coping so easily, it was worthwhile. And uh, after about two years, this same man was um, transferred or what he was sought for because of his competence by another company. And guess what? This Mr. Bill actually became the president of the corporation. The woman was so excited and she was like, thank God he didn't take that um, rash decision of the man resigning and telling them how disappointed he was and all that. That was when the man made the statement. I go over it again. Do you know that I'm beginning to realize that Christianity isn't theoretical after all? We have solved the problem according to a well-defined spiritually scientific principle. So the writer enumerated 10 concrete problem-solving techniques. The first said he believed that for every problem, there is a solution. Number two, keep calm. Tension blocks the flow of thought power. Your brain cannot operate efficiently under stress. The third is, do not try to force an answer. Keep your mind relaxed so that the solution will open up and become clear. Number four, assemble all the facts impartially and impersonally and judicially. I love these words. 
impartially, impersonally. Don't take it like you do it, do it as if you are trying to analyze for someone else. So you don't be partial about it. Number five, list these facts on paper. This clarifies your thinking. You see, you, you're going to see as well as you think. That's when you um, analyze them on paper. The sixth is pray about your problem. Affirming that God will flash illumination into your mind. The seventh is believe in and see God's guidance on the promise of Psalm 73. Thou will guide my counsel. Number eight, trust the faculty of insight and intuition. Number nine, go to church and let your subconscious work on your thoughts. <clears throat> let your subconscious work on the problem as you are tuned to the mood of worship. Worship has a way of relaxing the soul itself, especially well-coordinated, solemn um, songs of worship. And the tenth is, if you follow these steps faithfully, then an answer will develop in your mind or come to pass. So this right this answer that's gonna develop in your mind is the right answer. Chapter eleven says how to use faith in healing. How to use faith in healing. Present-day medicine emphasizes psychoosmotic factors in healing. Thus, recognizing the relationship of mental states to bodily health. That's a breakdown of what that psychoosmotic factors mean. Medical science has now realized the relationship between mental states to bodily health. Modern medical practices realize it and, and take into consideration the close connection between how a man thinks and how a man feels. Remember the Bible says as a man thinks so he is. So he is, is an all-round so he is, bodily, health-wise, um, money-wise and all that. Now, since religion deals with thoughts and feelings and basic attitudes, it's only natural that the science of faith should be important in the healing process. When I was going through this chapter, I just remembered Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hoped for. Not yet yet. Hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So, if the medical science is telling us that how a man thinks is strongly connected to how he feels, then Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is totally correct. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen. So, if you can think it, you can get it. If you can just think it and believe it, you know, and act upon it, then healing is yours. So, we can say that faith is directly proportional to healing. <clears throat> Chapter 12 talks about when vitality sags try this health formula when vitality sags try this health formula now this chapter is um further buttressing chapter 11 in fact chapter 12 and 13 is just like a buttress of chapter 11 so like i said the chapter further laid emphasis on what chapter 11 told us 
but there is something I took note of in this chapter I would like to share. <clears throat> I quote, Since irritation, anger, hate, and resentment have such a powerful effect in producing ill health, then what is the antidote? The antidote, obviously, is to fill the mind with attitudes of good will. Yeah. Forgiveness, faith, love, etc., etc. So these are the antidotes, you know, to the former things I made mention of irritation, anger, and so on and so forth. So this further explains what the chapter talks about when vitality sags, try this health formula. So what the health formula? The health formula is to fill your mind with attitudes of goodwill, forgiveness faith, love, and so on and so forth. Chapter 13 talks about the inflow of new thoughts. He said the inflow of new thoughts can remake you. Like I said earlier, chapter 13 and 12, just for that buttresses chapter 11. So the inflow of new thoughts can remake you. Okay, a famous psychologist said, there's a deep tendency in human nature to become precisely like that which you habitually imagine yourself to be. Now, remember what the writer told us about Job. In the book of Job chapter 3 verse 25 that said, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. So it's worth it to know that what we continually think, what we habitually think, becomes us in the long run. So what if um, psychologists talked about that there's a deep tendency in human nature to become precisely like that which you are visually imagining yourself to be is a hundred percent correct. So, if you think positive, you'll be that which you think. If you also think negative, you become that which you think. This also um, further emphasizes on what chapter 11 says that how a man thinks is how he feels. Let's take note of that. It's simple, but it's deep. How a man thinks has a whole lot to do with how he feels. Okay, the writer also emphasized in this chapter, the book of Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. And all things whatsoever ye ask of in prayer, believing, the emphasis there is believing, ye shall receive. Believing. So that believing, as he explained in the book, talks about visualizing. That's where the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 comes to play again. And that's where the quote in chapter 11 comes to play again. That says how a man thinks and how he feels are closely connected. There's a close connection between how a man thinks and how he feels. So the secret of a better, more successful life is to cast out those old dead on elvitos and substitute for them new vital and dynamic thoughts <clears throat> chapter 14 says relax for easy power relax for easy power now in the introductory part of this book the uh, writer gave analysis of how millions of people depend on sedatives before they could actually sleep sleep that was supposed to be a free gift that are supposed to be so something that will come natural after the day's uh, work, after a very stressful out and all that. 
but on the contrary, he uses country as an example why Americans um, um, uh, depend so greatly on sedatives. Sedatives means sleeping pills, you know, before they could actually relax. This is an error. This is not, uh, not actually supposed to be. After giving so many illustrations and so many stories of people in um, the chapter, he gave us some steps actually on how to relax for easy power. There are 10 actually, I'll go over them. Number one says, don't get the idea that you are at last carrying the world on your shoulders. Don't strain so hard. Don't take yourself too seriously. Number two says, determine to like your work. Then it will become your pleasure, not drudgery. Number three says, plan your work. Work your plan. I love that. Plan your work. Work your plan. Lack of system produces this um, swamped feeling. The fourth one says, don't try to do everything at once. Yeah. Number five says, get a correct mental attitude. Take it easy and it tends to become easy. We see that everything is kind of um, married to each other. This is what chapter 11 told us. This is what chapter 12 told us. And uh, chapter 13 told us. And chapter 14 again. One of the points is telling us that we should get a correct mental attitude. He says, think it's easy and it tends to become easy. Number C says, become efficient in your work. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. The power he's talking here now is over your job. Over anything actually. Over life challenges. Knowledge is power. So relax and you see this power coming. The seventh one says, practice being relaxed. The word practice simply tells us that it's going to be a conscious effort. It's not that you're going to try to do yourself. You're going to um, uh, consciously develop the habit of being relaxed. Don't press or stride. Take it in your stride. The eight says, pray about your work. You get relaxed. Pray about your work. You get relaxed efficiency by so doing. Does that word relaxed efficiency looks like uh, an irony, but I think I understand it so well. Efficiency in the uh, normal human sense doesn't come by relaxation. But here, with the power of prayer, the writer tells us that we'll get relaxed efficiency. You'll be relaxed, your mind won't worry, yet you get efficiency. The ninth says, discipline yourself not, not to put off. Discipline yourself not to put off until tomorrow. Let's put it like that. The writer here was trying to emphasize or oh, um, discourage procrastination and accumulation of work. Yes, procrastination is actually a killer to um, success and so many things. Okay. Um, the tenth says, take the unseen partner. It's surprising to uh, okay take the I'll go by it again take the unseen partner it's surprising that God will take the load 
of you. Take the unseen partner. God is going to take the load of you. The Bible says, Come unto me, O ye lady, and I'll give you rest. There's a popular saying that there's nothing that's kept in the hands of God that will actually go bad. So, if you're taking the unseen partner, he's talking about God here. If you're taking the unseen partner, you actually be relaxed, and yet power will come. Efficiency is going to come. Okay, we'll go over.